What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Saturday, April 15th, 2023, as tonight we're talking about a Cardinals win from Friday at Bush Stadium as they defeated the Pirates 3 to nothing. Maybe a pitcher's duel was not what you expected in a matchup between Johan Oviedo, the former Cardinal, and current Cardinals starter Jake Woodford, but you got at least a modified version of that as, well, Oviedo was fantastic in seven innings, only need 93 pitches to dispose of the Cardinals via strikeout 10 different times and to go seven innings of one-run baseball. But Jake Woodford didn't give up a single run, neither did the rest of the Cardinals, as they beat the Pirates 3-0. But Woodford had some help in what I would say was the best top-to-bottom defensive performance that the Cardinals have had this year. I really don't think there's another game that stands out as even remotely close to this one, as there were three different innings that were completed by Jake Woodford that ended on a sterling defensive play that if it were not made, at least one run would have scored on the play. And so Jake Woodford was pitching around danger throughout the game tonight, gave up seven hits, but scattered them all as he ends up getting through it. Cardinals win this game 3-0. He doesn't earn the win. I believe that would have gone to Zach Thompson, who came in uh, to this game in relief in the sixth inning, did a nice job. The Cardinals bullpen as a whole does a nice job. Giovanni Gallegos closing the door. Good to see him with a 1-2-3 ninth inning as well as this was the one to sort of get the bad taste out of their mouths from Friday when they lost to the Pirates 5-0. If you'd like to go back on your podcast feed on Apple or Spotify or even on YouTube, you could certainly check out yesterday's B-Shave Daily about that game. But I feel like most people, if you missed that one, you may just want to leave it in the past because a lot more positivity to share tonight on the podcast. So quick reminder before we get into the content of the show that you can check out and subscribe or follow B-Shave Daily on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's if you like the audio-only version, but we are live on YouTube. Well, not live, but we're on YouTube. And this video you could be watching right now over there, and the way you get to that is youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Would love to have you subscribe. If you're new to the channel, welcome. Cardinals fans, this is the place to be all summer. Uh, I'm going to be a fiend when it comes to providing Cardinals content throughout this baseball season. And in addition to just the B-Shape Daily Podcast, there will be other videos posted to YouTube, including the one that just went up a few minutes before I began recording this episode of Wilson Contreras. It's more of an audio with a picture of Wilson Contreras, but you'll get a chance to hear from him after the game where he had a big RBI hit in the eighth inning. Maybe that is the one that can bust him out of the slump that he's been under, uh, especially with runners in scoring position this season. New Cardinal, a lot of pressure maybe that he might be feeling, but he talked about some of those things uh, in a nice seven or eight minute session with the uh, reporters after the game in front of his locker. So that's audio that you can hear on uh, the YouTube channel for B-Shape Daily. Probably not going to hear it anywhere else. I think I don't think there were any cameras even that hung around long enough to get Wilson Contreras. I think he was in the trainer's room, maybe in the hot tub, something like that. So that's why it's a late night tonight. Um, but it was worth it because we got a, a chance to hear from Contreras himself after the Cardinals 3 nothing win. So that's good stuff. Check it out once more, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. But let's go ahead and get into the rest of the content of this show tonight. And, well, where do we want to begin? I think we'll begin with the offense, and then we'll get into the defense a little bit as well because the defense was really the, the heart and soul of this win tonight for the Cardinals. But offensively, you did eventually need to come through with runners in scoring position, right? And for the Cardinals, they ultimately did that, but it took a while. It's the reason that Woodford doesn't get the win because through, through those five and a third, the Cardinals had not scored a run yet took until the sixth inning to get their first run, and that was courtesy of Nolan Gorman. Not a very unlikely source at this point in the season. We have seen him consistently come through with runners in scoring position, come through in general for the Cardinals, 
as uh, the, the, the Cardinals have a legitimate threat on their hands in Nolan Gorman. I think we've talked about that. I labeled him as a as an all-star. That was my bold prediction prior to the season uh, that, that Gorman would end up as an all-star this year. And, and the performance that he's had so far this season has done nothing to dissuade me of that, that opinion. Uh, three for four tonight with a couple of RBIs. Had another one in the eighth inning after Wilson Contreras ended up uh, driving a, a key run in for himself. Obviously, with, with Gio pitching a good ninth inning, the Cardinals didn't really need those insurance runs. Uh, but I think important to get the monkey off the back for Contreras there, who's still only hitting 178 on the season. Uh, but Gorman, this was just more of a continuation of the way he has been uh, performing for the Cardinals. Three for four, two RBIs tonight. A couple of big swings by him as uh, the Cardinals were able to get the job done. Um, but it really was the defense, right? And, and before we get into the defense, I want to mention this about runners in scoring position. 0 for 6 is the way the Cardinals were to begin the night. And I just thought, wow, if they end up letting Johan Oviedo beat them uh, and, and have those opportunities with Dogs on the Pond and don't come through after going, I believe it was something like 0 for 9, 0 for 8, whatever it was in the game on Friday with runners in scoring position, that would have been a nasty taste to have in the mouths of the Cardinals. And that's why I think the play that was made by Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt in the second inning of this game may go down as not only the most impressive defensive play uh, the Cardinals might make all year, but with the timing of it, Pretty critical in that regard as well. And I asked Ali Marmel about this after the game, just in terms of, first of all, the the aptitude for Arenado to, to make and start the play like he did and for Goldschmidt to finish it off. But the timing of it just felt so important because it was a bases-loaded situation in the second with just one out. And it's a dribbler by Austin Hedges down the third baseline. It's one of those Bermuda Triangle plays where most third basemen they might just have to eat that ball. They're not going to be able to get any outs out of the play. Or maybe you charge it hard and you hope to get the out at first just to get something done. But with only one out in the inning, like a run is scoring. It's almost a guarantee at that point. But instead of charging the ball, Arenado waits back on it. And the runner coming from second to third could absolutely interfere. It was a bang-bang play where he was able to hold his right foot on the base, not charge it at all, because if you charge it, you're not going to be able to get the out at third. If you don't get out the, the guy at third before throwing it across the diamond to first, the run will score. And so he goes with the aggressive play in this case of not charging the baseball. And it was hit so slowly that you just figure, like, it's it's you're doomed before you even begin. There's no right move for Arenado. That's the way it feels, you know, for people who have watched baseball for a long time, you sort of get a feel for those plays and go, this is trouble. They, not a hard-hit ball. Jake Woodford did have a, a lot of hard-hit balls that were allowed tonight, uh, was able to keep a lot of that contact on the ground so it didn't, damage him and the Cardinals chances too much but he definitely had some that were that were in the triple digits in terms of uh, exit velocity against him this was not one of them though and I thought Arenado made the absolute best play that he could by just waiting but you couldn't just wait and then kind of scoop up the ball and and go tag third and then maybe see if you're going to throw it across there wouldn't have been time for all of that so he straddles and and basically reaches way out to his left while making sure he's tagging the bag with his right foot Fields the ball, so there's one out. And the force out was, I mean, it, it does happen by a couple of steps, but if the runner going from second to third was any faster, this could have been even a messier play. And it all is happening as uh, the runner's bearing down on home, and you've got to complete the double play in order to make sure that run doesn't count. Arenado gets the first out and then sort of shuffles his feet. You have to get rid of it quickly because of how slowly this ball was hit, and he fires one across the diamond to Goldschmidt. And I thought, oh, boy, this is going way up the line toward right field. This throw, you know, there's just no way that Goldschmidt kept his foot on the back. Somehow they ruled that he did. I thought maybe that's one the Pirates would want to challenge, but they left the field. The Cardinals followed suit uh, defensively, getting their defense off the field there. 
and it's a really ridiculous 5-3 double play that Arenado and Goldschmidt put together to get Woodford out of the second inning. I really do think, and in the moment, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that's what those two guys do. But if you watch it and, and you think about the gravity of the situation where uh, I had mentioned asking Ollie about it after the game, and his thought was, like, knowing it's not a secret that the Cardinals have been getting down early in games and that's kind of snowballed on them in, in certain contests, this was important to be able to maintain the zeros at that spot in the game. And Arenado starts it, but Goldschmidt's finished to be able to keep his foot on the bag. Like, whether he did or not doesn't really matter that the Pirates decided not to challenge it. It might have been because they saw Ali Marmol waste his challenge on the hit-by-pitch. Uh, it might have hit the shoelace of the Pirates' leadoff batter, and that's why they weren't able to overturn it. But Ollie seemed pretty confident that they would there in the top of the first. Jiwon uh, Bay ends up getting on base, and he's kind of a, a stolen base threat as well, is the guy who also stole the base later in the game against Contreras. Um, when Zach Thompson was pitching and Contreras was convinced that he got him out. I asked him about it after the game. He said, oh, he was out. Don't, and he may have dropped in. I don't know what the umpire was looking at. I didn't catch that on the audio because I had already turned off my recorder. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was clear that Contreras thought he got him, but Ollie had already used up the challenge in a losing effort. And it was funny, too, after they lose that challenge in the top of the first, they show Ollie's face on the, the big screen, and he's just kind of smirking like there's – like I don't understand how they didn't see what I saw there, but – um, ultimately, it doesn't end up mattering there in the first inning because Woodford was able to get the final out. Uh, and It doesn't matter there, and I believe it was the sixth inning when Thompson was pitching, uh, either the sixth or the seventh, whenever that was, and able to get a big strikeout of Brian Reynolds at that point in time was Zach Thompson. So that negated both of the uh, the opportunities there for Juwan Bay, uh, and the Cardinals were able to keep it rolling at that point. But the point where it was even more critical was that second inning, you keep the zeros on the board, you keep your offense feeling like, all right, we've got a shot in this one, and it did. It took the Cardinals some time to be able to break out with runners in scoring position. Ultimately, though, they come up with the three hits, and it's kind of some station-to-station baseball, right? Like, they don't have any real extra base hits that uh, drive anybody in. I think all three of the hits were singles, um, but you, you kind of take what you get on a day where Johan Oviedo was really good, by the way. I mean, 10 strikeouts. I think, obviously, he was motivated. You think about Oviedo and Woodford, it's interesting. Very much similar in the way that... Uh, the Cardinals had, had kind of treated both guys over the past few years where it's like they're going to start some games, uh, they're going to pitch in the bullpen at times, but you don't really think of either of them as really like rotation fixtures in the future. Uh, for that reason, Oviedo was traded, and now he gets an opportunity to prove the Cardinals wrong by kind of sticking in the Pirates rotation, which, which I think he'll do, by the way. Like, he had a 3.18 DRA coming into the game today. He That went down, obviously, with seven innings of one-run baseball. Uh, and then we'll see about Jake Woodford, who's trying to have that same opportunity. And I thought before tonight, he was very much at risk of not only maybe being dropped from the rotation when when Wainwright comes back, which is going to be soon, as uh, tonight it was noticed uh, or, or mentioned, I should say, uh, by a lot of the reporters at Bush Stadium for the pregame that Wainwright is supposed to or tentatively scheduled to have a start in Springfield as a uh, rehab assignment start on Tuesday. So if that's the case, maybe he only needs that one and you could be looking at uh, maybe only one more turn in the rotation for Woodford uh, between now and then. So this was a big spot for him to try and get things right. And ultimately, he does do that. But I wonder how impressed the Cardinals really were with the outing when you consider that the defense definitely helped him out to a, to a pretty great extent. Uh, seven hits he gives up, but it's zeros. And that's really all you can ask for from what you would consider your number five starter. But five and a third. Uh, they pulled him after about 81 pitches, which there was a little bit of uh, questioning, I thought, on Twitter of people saying, why are they pulling him so quickly? I thought 
the Cardinals really needed to get more length out of their starting pitching so they could save the bullpen a little bit. And guys like Ryan Helsley were unavailable today. They said they wanted to stay away from him um, after he had pitched in a back-to-back. You want to give him multiple days off after that point in April, which I understand. I mean, this is how the Cardinals handled Ryan Helsley last year, and so not too big of a surprise that early in the season they're going to try to be extra careful with him uh, as much as they can, although I think his first back-to-back opportunity last year came much later than uh, than, than mid-April, so at least they're, they're coming around on that thought a little bit. But you kind of have that idea from Cardinals fans of, hey, can they get somebody deeper into a start so that the bullpen doesn't have to, to carry so much of the load? And I think in most cases that's probably true, but in a game like tonight where the Cardinals were not getting very many any runs, any, any hits with runners in scoring position at this point, Ali Marmel said, 81 pitches, I've seen the hard contact that Woodford has given up, and uh, I think it's just going to be let's go to the bullpen, let's be aggressive, and try to see if we could steal this game because there were opportunities missed offensively early on that if maybe they come through and it's a 3 nothing, 4 nothing lead there in the sixth inning, they very well might let Jake Woodford finish that inning and, and maybe even go beyond that if he's efficient. But because it was a 0-0 game, I thought it was the right move to go to Zach Thompson when they did. And, uh, you know, he ends up doing his thing. He's really gaining confidence and looking like a, a real fixture in terms of high leverage opportunities out there in the Cardinals bullpen. Uh, four strikeouts tonight for Thompson. An inning in two-thirds gives up just one walk and one hit. And the walk was a, it was bogus. I mean, I, I, I think I audibly said, where's that pitch? Sitting there in the press box, just like befuddled that 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 ended up happening. And and Thompson was a little hard on himself saying, you know, I, I, I journal after every game and write down things I can improve upon. And, and, you know, that walk is something that I you know, want to fix, but then it's like, Zach, that nothing you could have done really about that walk. I think it was uh, a tight squeeze by the home plate umpire, but really good stuff from, from Thompson when he considered five outs recorded and four of them on strikeouts. Um, and, and just a little side note, like if you're in fantasy baseball league and uh, Zach Thompson's out there, even if he's not going to get any saves, man, He's going to be a high strikeout guy, and, and that could be valuable in certain league settings. So check it out. I, I think I've got him in a couple of my leagues um, just because it's like he's going to get a ton of strikeouts, and he's been looking really, really good for the Cardinals. Long term, it would be awesome to see if Zach Thompson could uh, have the opportunity to maybe be a starter again. Um, but when you when you thrive the way he's thriving in, in a bullpen role, I don't think there's going to be any time soon that the Cardinals are going to uh, to be looking to, to move him around. Uh, he is a, a critical piece in terms of uh, left-handed relief that the Cardinals are going to be using in leverage, and it, it really isn't going to matter. Lefty, righty, whoever, he's going to be able to go like he did tonight, an inning in two-thirds, pick up some of those key spots in games. Uh, huge weapon that uh, Ollie Marmel can utilize out of the bullpen, and he's looking really good right now. Uh, hasn't given up an earned run so far this season, so uh, so far so good from Zach Thompson for sure. But elsewhere, when we're talking about the Cardinals' defense, a couple of nice plays made by outfielders in this game. Uh, I believe it was the fourth inning that uh, the play came first for Burleson, I think it was. I might get it a little bit conflated here um, because the fourth inning and the fifth inning for uh, for uh, Jake Woodford, I should say, both ended with big-time plays from outfielders. As for Burleson, it was on a base hit. He throws out uh, a runner, uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, who is the brother of uh, NFL prospect Jackson Smith and Jigba, if you're familiar with the uh, Ohio State wide receiver, who's probably going to go in the first round. Uh, so pretty athletic family, but in, in this case, out on the bases for uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, which, by the way, is the second time that I can recall him doing that at Bush Stadium over the past year. Last year, it was like a case where he, he you know how when you're running through the bag at first base, if you if you turn left, once you do that, it's like you're you're almost committing to have to go to second. And so he tried to play it off like he didn't turn left, and Brendan Donovan tagged him out really easily. I recall that happening at Bush Stadium last year, and he was very confused. 
but then tonight was Alec Burleson with the hose getting him at home plate. Wilson Contreras had a little bit of trouble finding the ball, and he said afterwards, and you'll hear this if you check out the video, youtube.com slash at bshafer12, the uh, Wilson Contreras video uh, is is where he discusses the fact that he kind of was losing the ball in the shadows. He said it was a very difficult throw for him to identify with the way it was coming in, uh, but was able to get the glove on it, and I think he just kind of had to make sure he had it in his glove and knew he had time, so he settled himself and was able to to apply the tag with uh, plenty of room there before Smith and Jigba could score. And so that was an inning-ending play by Alec Burleson, which, again, if that, if that play does not get made, it's on a base hit. Uh, it, you love, if you're the pitcher, to record the final out of an inning on a base hit, as Jake Woodford was able to do there. That's a huge play and uh, saves a run, as does Tyler O'Neill in the other inning. Again, I can't remember if it was the fourth inning or the fifth inning that, uh, that these plays happened. It was one or the other. And then whichever one wasn't the first one, well, then that was the second one. I guess, guys, if you really want me to, I could look it up. But you already know because you watched the game and you uh, I apparently paid more attention than me. But in my defense, it is 2 a.m. as I record this. It was the fourth inning for Tyler O'Neill. No, it wasn't. Unbelievable. The fifth inning was Tyler O'Neill's play. Okay. Fourth inning for Burleson, fifth for O'Neill. I had it right the first time. Sorry about that. Anyway, really good play in left field by Tyler O'Neill who is finally starting in left field in a game that was also played by Dylan Carlson. I think that is the alignment the Cardinals need to go with. Uh, you know, there are times when the Cardinals feel very strongly about something and they'll they'll explain their thought process and they'll be right and that'll make me go, oh, okay, I might have, you know, I might have been critical about this before, but now that I kind of understand what they're doing and, and, and why they're going this route, I can respect that. And maybe it'll help me, uh, you know, it might change my opinion on something. There are, there are times where that happens, right? This is not one of them. The Tyler O'Neill thing in center field was not going to be one of them. And I'm not saying it's over, right? Because they, in, in all their quotes about it, they sound pretty content to try to allow Tyler O'Neill an opportunity to show himself in center field and, and learn the position enough to where he'll end up being a, an advantage there over what somebody else, Dylan Carlson, Lars Newpar, whomever, might bring. That being said, if Dylan Carlson's in the lineup, I have said the whole way he needs to play center field just the way it is. He's better at the position than O'Neal. And O'Neal is a great left fielder. So you are basically giving up an advantage, I feel like, at two positions to try and force something that doesn't really need to be. Uh, O'Neal could become a great center fielder. That's great. Work on that in spring training. But if it's if it's the regular season and you can have a better, more effective alignment by having it the way that they had it tonight, I say you should do that. And I respect all the decision makers with the Cardinals, but this is the case where yeah, like I said, sometimes I might be, I'll go, oh, okay, I understand it. I, I get why you're doing that. Maybe change my opinion on it. This wasn't a case where I I, I still don't think that's going to happen, even down the road, if if uh, O'Neal just looks fantastic in center. And part of it is a, an offensive thing, too, right? Uh, like, O'Neal didn't have a great day at the plate, and so if Dylan Carlson can pass him up offensively in the eyes of the team, it'll become even more of a no-brainer. But part of this is because of how good Tyler O'Neill is in left field. He's excellent there. He's won two gold gloves there for a reason. Well, and behold, you put him in left field tonight, and he makes a huge diving catch in the fifth inning to once again save a run because there was a runner on third, two outs. And so that's three of the first five innings ending on a dynamic defensive play uh, by somebody or in the case of the second inning when both middle in, or corner infielders got it done, some bodies on the Cardinals defense. Four different guys, and I'll count five for Contreras making the tag on, on one that was a little bit different, uh, difficult for him to read coming in off the hand of uh, Alec Burleson. That is just more than half the Cardinals defense really making an impact there on behalf of Jake Woodford. And then Tommy Edmond had a great diving catch into the hole uh, between third base and shortstop 
and then popping right back up, making the play at first base. So, you know, 66% of the team stood out with some significant plays defensively tonight. And Tyler O'Neill almost had another dandy that I thought off the bat, there is no way that is even going to be remotely close to something he can catch. And in left field, he came in on the ball and, and darn near made a nice play there too. So really great game by the Cardinals defense. The fact that the Pirates didn't score tonight is almost like a miracle when you consider how close they were three different times. Um, it's a testament to this Cardinals defense, and that's what they're capable of doing. Want to see more of that, right? Because this is a team that has, has been known for its defensive play in recent years, been known for its base running, and a couple of the, those areas have been a little sloppy, I think, at times to start the season. Uh, not totally defensively, but there have been a couple of games where you go, this is very uncardinals like So for them to have the kind of game they did tonight, which, like I said, will go a full season, and especially if the Cardinals turn things around and we end up looking back on this first couple of weeks as just a blip on the radar, you might be able to look at the play that Arenado and Goldschmidt made in the second inning and say, if that play does not get made, the rest of the game may unfold very differently. I mean, that was at least one run there for the Pirates, and then they would have gotten a chance to continue with runners in scoring position for the next guy at bat. It could have ended up being a really different situation in the game. It's not. The Cardinals win the game, and now maybe it's something that can propel them forward a little bit with some momentum on their side. Could have been a very different situation, and because of that, I think that could end up going down as the best play of the year for the Cardinals defense. Uh, if not, it's going to be on the Mount Rushmore. It's going to be on the top five. Uh, huge play by Arenado and Goldie to get things going there. I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It was, I couldn't believe Goldschmidt stayed on the base. I don't know how y'all thought about it when you were watching it live, but I that was my reaction for sure. Elsewhere from this game is I kind of want to get this podcast wrapped up a little bit quicker tonight, if only because, like I said, it's after 2 a.m. as I'm recording it, but also... Uh, there's a one o'clock game on Saturday, so this is going to be old news, right? But you guys will watch a video about a Cardinals win anytime. If it was a loss, maybe I'd be even less compelled to be uh, to be to be killing it right now, right? But I don't think I've missed a B-shaped daily in a couple of weeks. It feels like maybe on the off day Thursday I did, but I don't know. I think I remember still doing a podcast. I can't remember honestly at this point. But nevertheless, I want to talk a little bit about the Nolans just to make sure that I give them their due in this uh, this podcast. Both of those guys offensively were uh, kind of pacing the Cardinals tonight. Arenado was his bobblehead day at Bush Stadium, which is kind of cool. Uh, but he goes three for three, scores two runs, and reaches base as well via walk. So uh, on base four times. And then I had mentioned that Nolan Gorman went three for four and had a couple of RBIs. Uh, Arenado, I think, is the guy that scored on both of those uh, hits by, uh, by Gorman. So I just wanted to say real quick, Arenado making the defensive play, making the, the the great game offensively happen. ERA, why am I saying ERA? I'm clearly very too much tired to be doing this. Uh, 913 OPS on the season with a 357 batting average. The power is almost surprisingly not there when you consider the 357 average and only a 913 OPS. His slug is right at 500. When you're on base at 413, uh, you would kind of just expect more, a little more in the way of power from Arenado so far. Don't care at all. What he's what he's doing, bat to ball, is pretty impressive. A 357 average. He does have a couple of home runs. Among the league leaders in RBIs with 13. Has eight runs scored. There was a moment within the past week or so that it was like, oh, Arenado's going a little bit slow, but it's gonna, you know, it's gonna pan out. I just wanted to make sure to highlight that that's like totally not a thing anymore. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, as as our other guys in this lineup, like Nolan Gorman. And uh, you know, it was an off day for uh Jordan Walker tonight. But he did get to pinch run and score a run in the game, so that was kind of good. Um, but he got the night off after the hitting streak ended. Uh, Burleson, Donovan, and Contreras were the other hits for the Cardinals tonight. But six of the hits coming from the Nolans in this lineup. So 
Really good to see from those guys, and I really do think that uh, when you look at the likelihood of Contreras getting things going, which I do believe he will, and he is going to stay in the five spot, it's it's where he's comfortable being, too, by the way. I, I know that might not matter too much to Cardinals fans, but uh, we heard from Contreras tonight, and he said, yeah, they asked me after I signed, you know, if I had a preference. He said, I actually do. I like batting fifth, and please don't lead me off, is apparently what he said. Uh, doesn't like the vibe of that, but you go three, four, five, six with Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, and Gorman. That could be danger, man. That could be real danger because Gorman, I think, could end up being, I'm not going to say MVP caliber, but if you think about a, an all-star caliber season, what does that look like? Well, hitting over 300 right now at 333. The on-base is at 447, and he's slugging like crazy. He has four home runs on the year and uh, 1,139, 1139 on the OPS for Nolan Gorman. So he is coming into his own. Mia culpa, if I ever said, which I, I know I did at a certain point, say, well, I could see the Cardinals trading him and I could see it making sense if you if you can kind of fill a need and you expect to have extra depth on the middle infield with Edmund and Donovan and Mason Wynn coming. I could see it if they can get fair value for him. I don't think any trade offer that ever was received by the Cardinals uh, matched up with the value that they saw in him. And now you're seeing why with the performance that he's having to start the season. I do believe it is sustainable. Uh, I also did say that about uh, Brennan Donovan, and we've kind of seen him take a little bit of a, of, a, of a tick down in production over the last week, week and a half, um, as his OPS is at 678. But I think Donovan's going to end up being all right, too. But Gorman, man, he is off and running and, and showing no signs of slowing up. So that's just pretty impressive from an offensive perspe- perspective with what we're seeing from Gorman right now. Quick word on Jake Woodford and kind of what I expect after this outing. Again, I, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to read into this because you can look at it and go, eh, hard contact, and that's kind of what they saw at times, I think, last year from Woodford, where the ERA was great, didn't get a lot of strikeouts, though, and they kept him in some low-leverage situations for most of the year, and then they liked the the ability that he had to miss some more bats in spring training, earn the opportunity to be a starter, um, but some hard contact tonight, and obviously I think bailed out a little bit by the defense. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how the Cardinals will evaluate that. I do think he gets another start because if Wainwright's not pitching till Tuesday at Springfield, that's going to mean, what, Sunday he should be, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday would be the fifth day. And so maybe Wainwright comes back, uh, you know, next weekend, late in the weekend on Sunday. And we'll see what happens with Jake Woodford. I think he does get one more opportunity. Uh, if this was a bad start, you could have seen the Cardinals maybe get desperate and say, we're going to go try and pull the trigger on Matthew Libertor getting a call-up, even if it is just for one start, um, knowing the, the importance of wins at any time in the season. That could have been a route that they would have gone. I don't think that's going to be the case now. Woodford did enough to, I think, maintain his spot. The question is going to be, though, when he inevitably does get removed from the rotation for Wainwright, where does he go? Because I think when, when you remember back to spring training, before the Wainwright injury, the book on Woodford from Ollie Marmel and the way he was being talked about was he's going to make this roster. He's earned the opportunity to to, uh, to come north with us, but it wasn't going to be as a starter. It was going to be in a bullpen role. But now that we've seen kind of the right-handed roles of the bullpen flesh out a little bit, you expect that maybe Verhagen could be a guy that could be a little bit of a longer reliever, give you a couple of innings. Um, you don't need that break glass in case of emergency right-hander. I don't think you need a guy that just anytime he pitches, you know it's going to be to mop up three, you know, three or four innings at a time. I don't think you need one specific guy to do that. Uh, but that could be a role for Jake Woodford or just generally can he work his way into more leverage from the right side of the bullpen and whose spot would he take? All eyes, I think, need to be on Jordan Hicks the next time he pitches because he has not had really a good outing yet this year. Had one where he didn't allow any any runs or anything, uh, maybe even no base runners a couple of nights ago 
but it was just two outs that he recorded. It was kind of a brief outing. Um, and so there's really just the one. And then obviously uh, in last night's game on Thursday night, it was not a good one for Jordan Hicks as he faced three batters, walked two of them. So I'm interested to see what becomes of the, the Jordan Hicks situation because the talent is undeniable with him. But will there come a point where Ali Marmel is just like, man, I, if I'm if I'm not allowed to use him in this situation or that situation or the other situation, when can I use him and when can I expect Jordan Hicks to be effective? I don't think the Cardinals are ready to send him down, but I think the onus is on Hicks to be able to fix it and show improvement in his next outing or two to be able to maintain justification for the role that he's in. And I don't think there's like a direct one-for-one comparison between Woodford and Hicks to where if you're like, okay, Woodford's going to be in our bullpen, who's going down? I don't think Hicks is automatically the guy that you think of because, well, one throws 105 and one doesn't. But getting outs, I think, at a certain point is going to be the priority. And so um, that's going to be an interesting one to follow. But for now, I do believe that uh, that Jake Woodford was able to do enough tonight to sort of hold serve. It's going to be kind of a status quo situation, if I had to guess, uh, at least until Wainwright gets back. And then things are obviously going to have to change there. But it's good news for the Cardinals to get Wainwright back. They could certainly use his presence and Lars Nupar, I think, is on the mend, and you could see him activated Saturday before the game. Uh, he said everything went well in terms of his pregame bull, uh, b- 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 batting practice that he went through with the thumb, swinging the bat much better. I don't know the extent to which he's fielded. I was not there, obviously, uh, doing the radio show from 4 to 6. Precludes me from going to the weekday pregame sessions for the Cardinals, but uh, everything seemed to have checked out, and so I think Saturday you can probably expect Nupar to be activated. That could mean Yepes going the other way. Um, could mean another injury, something else that we don't know about. We'll have to wait and see what the move ends up being. I would be very surprised, though, if Nupar is not activated by at least the end of the weekend series with the Pirates. That is going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys so much for sticking with me. Having a lot of fun here on the uh, YouTube channel, on Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So, hey, I know I say it a million times, but I have to because... And not to brag, but you got 22,000 Twitter followers and you go, all right, couple hundred subscribers on YouTube. I know that more of y'all would love to subscribe to YouTube if you just hear about it. And it is hard to get people to know about it if it's a brand new thing. And so uh, I'm going to keep beating the drum for that. Please just bear with me as I try to build up the YouTube channel. Uh, You may say, I already subscribed. Stop talking about it. There's somebody who hasn't out there and I want them to see it so that they can enjoy the Cardinals content on YouTube and more of our live videos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, is a lot more fun, the more the merrier sort of thing. So thank you guys so much for bearing with me, sticking with me. And check out, too, patreon.com slash bshafer12 if you would like to support me in that way. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next time on Shafe Daily. Peace.